the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Jesus said to those who were waiting on Him as He was ascending, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. Whether you know it or not, uh, Jesus was giving us an outline for the book of Acts when he quoted or said that in Acts 1.8. And so welcome to Exploring the Word, and we're going to dive in into the book of Acts today and continue it for several weeks, I'm sure. And this is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane. And Alex, it's good to be back with you, brother. Well, Bert, we missed you last week. Jim Stanley, as always, did a phenomenal job, and it was a blessing to spend some time on air with Jim. Uh, but you and Jan had a little bit of did you have a staycation? We had a con- staycation or a, hun- <laughs> or a yeah. honeydew vacation, what, whichever okay. way you want. And we yeah. enjoyed it, enjoyed spending time together and doing some things together. And uh, just need to do that every so often, brother. Well, amen, amen. But it is good to have you back, and it's good to have a brand new week. The Lord has given us a beautiful day. It's a new week, and we are going to start a new study of a book of the Bible. Now, we were wrapping up Nahum, and we had been with Jonah down to Nineveh, and about 100 years after Jonah comes Nahum, and we studied about some of the the judgment, you know, where God said, I'm against you, and Boy, that's a fearful thing when the living God would say to a culture, I'm against you. But, uh, you know, God is a holy God. And Nahum, among other things, we see that God does judge righteously. And the sins of a people do come to the awareness of God, don't they? They do. And you can't hide them. Just remember the garden uh, when they tried to hide. God knew where they were. And when he said, Adam, where are you? He wasn't saying that for his information. He already knew. Hmm. He was calling Adam out to get right with him. And so God knows where you are today. He knows your need. Uh, He knows the pain. But he also knows that that you're trying to hide, and you can't hide it from God. So the best thing you can do is get right with God and do it now. He's a loving God, a caring God, but he is a God that one day uh, will stand before him and give an account and you want to do that as a believer, not as an unbeliever, Alex. Well, that's true. That's true. And today we're going to do something. We're going to go to the New Testament. We've spent a fair amount of time in the Old Testament. And if you're new to exploring the Word, Bert, you know, we hear just all the time of brand new listeners. Uh, what we do on this show, we go through the Word of God. We study books of the Bible. We also take telephone calls. And later on in the program, we will open up the phones. And if you've got a Bible question, don't be shy. Give us a call. You can join in. And the number is 888-589-8840. But, you know, it's been said that Jesus uh, is in the Old Testament promised. Jesus is in the New Testament present. And if Jesus in the Old Testament was concealed, well, Jesus is in the New Testament revealed And we think that a good choice to segue back into the New Testament, you know, moving from the judgment of God to the uh, glorious message of salvation is the book of Acts, uh, the New Testament book of Acts. And so we're going to begin that today. And Bert, I I emailed a timeline that I just 
starting out the the study notes on this, I put this together, and I just uh, I've read through and studied the Book of Acts quite a few times, and I'm never uh, it never ceases to amaze me how much is in here. It is, I mean, Alex. I agree. And every time you do it, you see something. How did I miss that the last time? You know, but God reveals that to you. And the book of Acts is so important. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they they are the introduction to Christ. They tell us about his birth. They tell about his life. They tell about his death, his resurrection. But the book of Acts is that connecting book between uh, the Gospels and the epistles that, that Paul would write, that James and John and Peter and others would write, and then the book of Revelation. The book of Acts is so important. It's kind of a transitional book, Alex, where mm-hmm. we move from one to the other. And it is. And as you and I were talking earlier about the book of Acts, it even in the book of Acts, you see God's Holy Spirit moving. Uh, Nathan, my son, and I do Exploring Missions, and recently on Exploring Missions, we did three programs about the power of the gospel to overcome all obstacles in the book of Acts. That means Mm. social, that means geographical, that means economical, politically, so many things, so many obstacles that you see in the book of Acts to hinder the gospel. And guess what? Every one of them was overcome, Alex. Well, amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, the one of the themes of Acts is the power of the Holy Spirit to lead the church, to convict and convert the lost, and to overcome obstacles. And we need to be reminded of that. Uh, the book of Acts, it's not A-X or A-X-E, like a tool you chop wood with. It's A-C-T-S, actions. And very often it's, you know, sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles. Is what God did in and through his church. And it's a book where we read about miracles, and we have a miracle-working God. But um, I want to ask you a trivia question about the New Testament, Bert. Are you ready? I'm ready. Who wrote the majority of the New Testament? Okay. Let me see. Paul wrote the epistles. John wrote a lot. He wrote the gospel, the three uh, three books called First and Second, Third John, and Revelation, and then Luke wrote Luke and Acts. Is that may oh that may overcome the others? I don't know. Does it, Alex? Well, you know, Paul wrote most of the New Testament books. There's 27 books in the New Testament. Paul wrote Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. No question, Paul wrote the most New Testament books. But I was really surprised when I began to, to do my study. We know the Apostle Luke, the beloved physician, and by the way, the the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. One of the reasons these books have convinced so many skeptics about the truth of Christianity in the New Testament. They're very, very heavy on details. And being a man of science, Luke, you know, would be a man, you know, very much attuned to details. But here's the thing. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote a little over 32,000 words. Luke wrote 38,000 words. Okay. Isn't that amazing? That doesn't surprise me. I had not done the work on that. But when you read Luke, which, you know, chapters and then Acts, 
that's a that's voluminous. That's two big volumes. It, it, it is. And honestly, a lot of people and 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 I've taught it this way. Luke Acts. In other words, the book oh, yeah, of Acts sure. takes up where the book of Luke stops. And mm-hmm. uh, and so the book of Acts is wonderful. It starts off great. It ends abruptly. And this is one of those times. You ever want to read the back of the book before you read the first or anything? Uh, I'm in, very guilty of that. Well, in the book of Acts, I think it is important. Now listen to this. The last verse in the book of Acts. And it says concerning Paul in verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this last bit. With all confidence, no one forbidding him. Now in some versions, unhindered. And I, mm-hmm. I, when you look at the Greek word, the word unhindered does match the, the Greek language. And what it ends, it ends with an unhindered gospel. And that is... I read a good bit. What's the theme of the book of Acts, the Acts of the, the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Gospel? But I, I still think the theme of the book of Acts is the power of the Gospel, Alex, in the life of Paul, uh, in the life of Peter. Uh, they cover a good bit about Barnabas and even John with Peter. Uh, it is the power of the Gospel. And, uh, Alex, we've talked about it. The Gospel works anywhere anytime under all circumstances it works mm. in china although it's they're subverting it it works in north korea where hundreds are being i mean there be, dozens are being killed hundreds mm. even thousands are being imprisoned in prison camps it, it works in iran where more people are coming to christ in the last two years in iran or iran than any other country you know and here in America, the gospel works, doesn't it? The gospel works everywhere. And you know what? I, I was reading this in a, in a book, oh, I don't know, five or six years ago, that, um, well, well, I'm just going to say this. As much as people have been concerned about the rise of Islam, um, in a way, Islam is, is a belief system that is very much tied to the, the 600s in which it was founded. Uh, and yet, even non-believing scholars have recognized Christianity works in the peasant villages of third-world countries. Christian Christianity, the gospel, works in first-world urban areas. Everywhere it's gone for 2,000 years, yes. not only has Christianity worked, it's changed the lives of people, it's brought literacy, it's brought civility and structure— and so much good to all the places in which it has been implemented. Now, now let me say this. Uh, it, it's interesting that the book of Acts is very full of miracles. And somebody asked Billy Graham, I've got a quote here by the late, great evangelist Billy Graham, you know, why don't we see miracles in the church today? And in reality, outside of America, very often we do. Um, and we've, we've talked about that before. But Billy Graham said, Quote, today, when the gospel is proclaimed on the frontiers of the Christian faith that approximate the conditions of the first century, miracles still sometimes accompany the advance of the gospel, says Billy Graham. As indicated by both the prophets Hosea and Joel, as we approach the end of the age, we may expect miracles to increase, end of quote. That was Billy Graham. Here's the thing, Bert, I've been places, and when, when people have nothing but the Lord, I mean, they're desperate, they cry out, God is all they've got. 
uh, we we see miracles. Sometimes I think that we we see a church very devoid of spiritual power because we're busy, we're organized, we're structured to the nth degree, and um, it's almost like we, you know, God, I got this, you know. Yes. And I, I think Billy Graham hit the nail on the head. Whenever you're in a ministry situation that approximates the conditions of the first century, persecution, desperation, without the Lord, destitution, you do see the the Lord show up in a, in a more powerful way. It's like I've quoted a, a million times, but Philip Yancey says the bottom line is this, God goes where he's wanted. Amen, Alex. I, I agree with you. One of the key words that I heard you say on the Billy Graham quote is frontier. Any time mm. you get into the frontier mission areas, I do believe that the gifts become greater. The You know, the spiritual gifts uh, being used in a greater way, the sign gifts. Now, yeah. after that's happening, I think those spiritual gifts that are more conducive to discipleship, they take over. And, and it doesn't mean God doesn't do miracles today. I've seen people heal today. I believe we ought to pray for them to be healed. I don't, I, I don't go around trying to heal everybody. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. But I pray for healing. And I've seen uh, a group of men and women gather together praying for an individual for them to be healed. They'd gone to the doctor, yes, and but they were wanting God's healing. God is Amen. healing. But on the frontier, the gospel being presented, I think you see it accelerated, brother. I think you're mm. exactly right. Well, this is Exploring the Word, folks. We're in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, Bert Harper, Alex, the American Family Radio Network, and you. So stay tuned. We're back after this brief break on Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Marty Walsh, United States Secretary of Labor. He leads the Department of Labor and enforces and suggests laws involving labor unions and the workplace. Ephesians 4.28 reminds us of the importance of hard work. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Marty Walsh as he leads the Department of Labor. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2021 Prayer Journal to help guide you through the year in prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Men will put a lot of sweat into maintaining their physical health. But Dr. Tony Evans explains there's something missing from their regimen as we spend two minutes with Tony. We're concerned about health. Men work out. We run. We lift. We, we want to be fit. The Bible says bodily exercise profited little. It will not ultimately determine your length of life, but it will determine your quality of life. But if you can spend an hour in the gym and no time in the Word, you can spend an hour lifting weight, but no time on your knees. You can spend an hour talking about the finances, but no time talking about God's perspective on debt. He says something is wrong. You say, but I don't know how to do that. That's because you need a daddy. But that's what fathers are for. 
The one thing Jesus did with the men he led, the disciples, was he kept putting them in challenging situations. Scenarios where they had to man up, where they had to rise to the occasion, where they had to step out on faith. It's hard to lead in faith if you have not yourself stepped out in faith. And then we wonder why we're not seeing more of heaven because spiritual parenting is missing. Every man needs a spiritual father and every man needs to be a spiritual father. The goal of this mentorship and discipleship is the advancement of the kingdom of God. Learn more about what it takes to man up in your marriage, your career, your relationship with your kids, and much more. Request a copy of Dr. Evans' best-selling book, Kingdom Man, for yourself, your brother, uncle, husband, father, teenage son, or your church study group. Visit us at TonyEvans.org and click on the link that says Making Kingdom Men. That's TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time as we spend two minutes with Tony. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You're my defender. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Alex and Burr. So glad that you're with us. We're starting the book of Acts, and Acts chapter 1, 1 through 3, is really the bridge that ties the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts together. Acts, you might sort of call it Luke part 2, but here's, here's what's going on in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts. All that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now that's the tie. All that Jesus would say and would do, he rose from the dead, he gave the Great Commission, he showed himself alive by undeniable, infallible proofs, then he was taken up to heaven. And here we are today, the church still following his Great Commission to tell the world of salvation. And Bert, I just think this is so exciting because when I read the book of Acts, sure, it's Peter at Pentecost and it's uh, the apostles and Saul and Barnabas, but we're we're a part of this, you and I today, every born-again believer. It's been said that the purpose of the church, the church is this, a group of born-again believers banded together for the purpose of world evangelization. We're, we're still in it, aren't we, Bert? We are. In other words, we're Acts 2. You know, not chapter 2, but uh, Acts, you have the book volume of Acts, two. so this volume 2, and we're a part of it, and I am, I'm sure that if the Bible were still being written, still being written, it's not, it's complete. Uh, some of the people like Billy Graham that you talked about, there'd be something about that and about what he did. Uh, you know, there'd be so many that has gone on before us. The book of Acts is so important 
it, it lets us know the birth of the church. Now, it was already conceived. Anytime you have a birth, guess what? You had conception beforehand. And so the birth, the conception of the church was Jesus and those apostles, those who were following him. And, and you remember that scripture says Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Uh, yes, they had the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit came in power in the mm. book of Acts, and that changed everything. I think uh, uh, Peter is the best example of that. What did he do before the day of Pentecost? Well, he kind of shied away, denied the Lord three times. Uh, here he was. He he was tired of waiting, and he said, let's go fishing in John chapter 21, you know. But here in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he spoke the word of God in power. Alex, mm. uh, the Holy Spirit in our life is necessary. Yes, we've been saved. And the Holy Spirit comes into our life, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when he immerses us with his spirit into our lives. It changes everything, and it goes to that scripture that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness in this present world. Everything. Mm -hmm. We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the church. That church is accountability. That church is fellowship. That church is missional. God's given us all that we need. We just need to use it. We don't need to keep the car parked in the garage all the time and just hmm. go and look at it. We need to go and crank it and get it out on the road. That's what we Amen. need to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well said. You know, the old saying, even God can't steer a parked car. <laughs> I love that, man. Uh, yeah. You know, we've got to be involved. We've got to be proactive. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just really wonderful and beautiful. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples were assembled together. And first of all, part of the power of God and the work of God in the church and through the church is because the existing apostles at that point were being obedient. You know, he had said, you know, tarry in Jerusalem till the promise of the Father has come, and they did it. They were assembled together, and they were in Jerusalem. They were waiting, verse 4, and uh, they remember that Jesus said, John truly baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And uh, they wondered if this was going to be the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. Um, I, I really don't know that they comprehended that they were on the cusp of the beginning of the church age. Don't, don't you think probably the ushering in of God's eternal kingdom was probably going to be just any day now? I think they had that expectation. Even the Apostle Paul expected Jesus' return at any time. And here mm -hmm. they were expecting the kingdom of God, of Israel, to be ushered in. And I love his, his response is, is so real, Alex, in verse 7. It is not for you to know times or seasons. Just stop there for a minute before you go on to the next part of verse 7. It is not for you to know times or seasons. There are some things. Just, let's just be honest. Uh, at the end of the program, people call in, and they ask you and me questions. We love that. That's Honestly, we love that part of the program, and we're glad we're a part of that. But I will just tell you, there are some questions that – it's not meant for us to know yet. Even yeah. even Bible questions concerning certain things, uh, the complete story is not in the Bible, and we don't know it. We have some mm. of it, but we don't have the complete story. 
And it's sort of like Paul Harvey years ago, the rest of the story. We're going to know the rest of the story one day, Alex, or either it won't be important. Have you ever thought of this? What you think is so important today may not be that important 10 years from now. Uh, When I look back over my my life, I think of those things early on in my life that I thought was so important to make an impression. You know, some of my graduating class that I grew now we had a small, small class, just 24 mm-hmm. students in my small, small school. But do you know some of those I have not seen since graduation day? And, sure. and, oh, I, I, know. and yeah. I was so interested in having the right impression upon them. And so, folks, just know, get right with God. Stay right with God. You know, oh, Alex, yeah. that's, that's, the, that's the, what we need to do. We really do. We really do. And do you know, the longer I live, I mean, the more I realize. I, I knew it 25, 30 years ago. I mean, I, I would have said that I knew it. But now I really believe it, that the things of this world just don't matter. I mean, they really don't. And, you know, Bert, I'm ashamed to tell you, uh, you remember in 1988, a man wrote a book about 88 <laughs> Reasons the Lord is Going to Come in 1988. Yeah, I got that book, yeah. You, I saved it. I saved it. It's on there to remind me. <laughs> Exactly. And folks, you, you may have noticed Jesus didn't come back in 1988, because if he, if he did, that would mean we're 33 years into the tribulation, and that's hmm. impossible. Okay, at that point, I was working on an old car. Now, I'd been saved about three years, and I was restoring an old car. as a piece of junk. I mean, it was nothing. And I remember listening to the radio, and preachers were saying, September of 88 is going to be the rapture. I mean, this man has mathematically figured it out and uh, sell all your property because the Lord's coming back. And I I do believe the Lord is coming back. Clearly, Christ is going to return. And I thought, I don't want the Lord to come back till I finish restoring this car. (laughs) Uh, Because this car, you know, and looking back, I'm ashamed of myself that I dare would think about some stupid old junk car I was turning wrenches on. But my priorities weren't where they are now. And the longer I live, the more I realize, folks, all you've got is Jesus, really. Jesus and your loved ones. But really, Jesus is all you have. And so maximize on the things of God. The disciples did that. And we read in Acts chapter 1, he said, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons, but you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Let me point out one little thing. Acts 1.8, very famous verse. Two, verse. two great evangelism verses, Acts 1.8 and Acts 5.42, which we'll get to. But notice it says, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Now, you think, well, if I'm witnessing, I'm sharing the gospel, I'm witnessing to a lost person. That's right. But the content of our message is Jesus, our Savior. So the thing to which we witness is Jesus. But in a way, we are, we are doing whatever we're doing obediently. We're doing it before Christ, as he watches, and we're doing it for Christ. And if, if, we're, if we're committing the sin of silence and not witnessing, it's against Jesus that we're sinning. And if we are being obedient, it's for his honor and glory that we're serving. And so I think it's interesting. Yes, evangelism is because people are lost, 
But most importantly, it's in obedience and worship to the Savior who gave his life for our redemption. Preach it, Alex. Let's, let's look at verse 8. We dare not go any further till we, uh, a lot of verses, we don't take it apart and look at every part of it uh, with this program. We just don't. But this verse deserves that. It notices some things that you're not to know, which the Father has his own authority, but you shall receive power. Isn't that interesting? The authority and then the power. The authority is God, and he's given it, but he's also given us didymos. He's given us the power uh, yes. that is upon us. When? Not, not now, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, the Holy Spirit is going to come in power to bring you to be able to do what I'm about to tell you to do. He says the power comes, and then the ministry comes. A lot of people are trying to do ministry without the power, Alex, but the power has come through the Holy Spirit, and you shall be witnesses to me or of me. That word to has several, for me, has several little words that it could be uh, to me, for me, of me. And the witness is there. The, the Greek word comes from a word that we get the word martyr. Uh, we in America have been spoiled, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it, and Bert Harper's included in this, uh, spoiled rotten with our, uh, the ease that we've been believers. It's changing now. I, I realize that it's not as easy to be a Christian now if you're a vocal Christian. It's not. But you shall be witnesses to me. Let me say one or two more word things, and I'll throw it back to you, Alex. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I opened up by saying this is really the outline of the book of Acts. In the first few chapters, you'll have them in Jerusalem. And then they go into Judea and then finally into Samaria, chapter 10 and following. And then when they get out of the church at Antioch, which is up in northern Galilee, then mm -hmm. they will, Paul and Barnabas and then Saul, and they will go all the way to Rome. Uh, someone has said that what the first part of the book of Acts does is take you from Jerusalem to Antioch, and the second part of the book of Acts takes you from Antioch to Rome. That's not a bad geographical outline of it, is it? No, that's really good. And, you know, for one thing, the way the church has spread, and, you know, Paul got the Macedonian call, and the disciples were sent in different places. In a way, over the last 2,000 years, the work of the Lord, you know, when the Holy Spirit is doing the work and not not people, you know, only doing things in their flesh, but the way God has done it, it has been very beautiful and very beneficial and very efficient. And I, I think about, though Europe and America certainly need a great revival right now, I mean, look at how the gospel from the Middle Ages, the gospel in Europe, to the Reformation in the 1500s, to the, the pilgrims and the colonies in the 16 and 1700s, to the just explosive growth of the church in England in the 1800s, and then in America in the 20th century. I mean, you and I earlier in the show talked about how Christianity has worked in every generation and in every culture. I mean, you look, the great age of world missions really came out of the 18th and 19th centuries and has come to just wonderful bloom here even in our day. Even though I know in, in America, man, we need a revival big time. But in parts of the world 
where there was no Christianity 100 years ago, it is flourishing today. China being a case in point. Africa being a case in point. It is. And, and what happens, one more application to, to verse 8. And I, again, I've got a whole, about two sermons all on verse 8. Notice in Jerusalem, you know what happened. And you and I are both Southern Baptists. And a few years ago, they identified where Southern Baptist evangelical strength was. It was in the suburban area, in the country, in the county seat towns all over. But in the area of the big cities, the urban areas, not much. Uh, and notice what's happened. The, like in New York State, and uh, I know quite a few folks from New York State, but New York City uh, is so big that it kind of overwhelms the rest of New York. Same thing in Washington State with Seattle, in Oregon with Portland, uh, and Illinois with Chicago. And, and if we're not careful, these big cities, because the work there is hard. The mission work in cities, that's the reason I love, uh, like Brooklyn Tabernacle, staying right in there in New York, doing that work Amen. that needs to be done. And there's others that are doing it. But Alex, uh, Jerusalem, I know it, that's where the church was birthed. But when you look at it as a city, have you noticed how it's the, it's the collecting place where everybody comes to? They come to that city to do the shopping. They come to that city to do the work. of, And, and so the work that you, those folks that are listening to us, and you're in these cities, and you're doing work, you're doing mission work, uh, you're going out and sharing the gospel, I want to just tell you, we thank God for you. Keep it up. Alex, we, mm -hmm. need, we need to claim those cities for Christ, don't we? We do. We do, folks. You're listening to Exploring the Word. We're going to come back and open up the phones for questions. The number, 888-589-8840. Stay tuned and be bold. Call us. We'd love to hear from you with your question on today's edition of Exploring the Word. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. And we thank you for your support. The world in word pictures viewed through the love of Christ. Well, some of the people that I met, there was no way in the world we could meet with any Christians in North Korea. That would have been a death sentence for them. And so it was in Northern Manchuria where they had escaped. And the story from all of them was that three generations of their families were wiped out if they were even caught with the Bible. The cruelty is just incomprehensible. Listen to Sandy Rios weekday mornings at 7 Central on American Family Radio. So Aaron took it as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. And the plague was stopped. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Often when the concept of intercession is raised, we normally think about prayer. And we should. Prayer is one form of intercession. Here we see another, living intercession. At the climax of a plague, Aaron runs into the fray, armed with incense, and where he stands, the plague stops. Aaron literally stands between the living and the dead. 
May God move us to be living intercessors for our day, and where we take our stand in Christ, the plague stops. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Revelation chapter 19, verse 16 says, On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In 1941, Nazi forces invaded Athens, Greece. They had taken over the entire city, and at the highest point of the region, they hung their Nazi flag. Late one night, two young boys managed to sneak past Nazi guards and took down that evil flag, making it home safely. The next morning, when people all across Athens looked out, they saw the flag was no longer flying, and the people of Athens had hope in their hearts for the future. When we come to Christ, it means that He takes down the flag of sin and raises His flag of grace, hope, and peace. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away all sin. He really does. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, we invite you to. Ask him into your life. If you need more help, there's partners that we have that you can call. Triple Eight Need Him. And those folks will talk to you and answer your questions. Triple Eight Need Him. Give them a call. But also, we've got room on our board for callers, Alex. We've got mm-hmm. about four lines open, so this is your opportunity to come in. That number, as Alex gave it earlier, 888 We've got lines open, so make that call now. But while we're waiting, you ready to go to the phones, Alex? Let's do it. Let's do it. And we appreciate everybody calling in. We sure do. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Ken. Ken, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, man. God bless you all for what you do, and I love listening to you. You're just a fountain of of wisdom. Thank you, Ken. It is him. I tell you that. It's not us. (laughs) Hey, every time I read through the Old Testament, after I read the... uh, about the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and the strangers that came into the town square and they wanted to abuse them. Well, sometime after that, when I hit the book of Judges, there is the uh, tale about uh, the story about the uh, strangers who came into the square in Judges 19 and they wanted to be abused by the Benjamites and the uh, concubine gets all chopped up. You know, the stories seem written so identical. I'm wondering whether there's any connection between them. Uh, the, the similarity is because sin and Satan, uh, they kind of operate the same way. Uh, they really do, Ken, but yeah, I've noticed that as well. 
And notice this, they're both in city, in a Sodom and in another city. Uh, not only the perversity had become the rule of law. Alex, that's what so, I, I think it's two incidents, but they are connected for its similarities. But again, mm-hmm. it wasn't in Sodom and in there, in the book of Judges 19 and following, that had become the lifestyle and now it had become protected by by the law. That's Sounds familiar. I hate to say it in our day. Well, we we see a pattern. I mean, we we really do. Um, whether it's you know uh, the generation that knew not Joseph and the works that God has done. Look, there's there's struggle, there's stability, there's prosperity, there's decadence, and after decadence comes the need for a great move of God again. And, you know, uh, you and I earlier, we were talking about some of the great names that we revere and love from, you know, the Apostles to Billy Graham. But there, there's a lot of young people that don't even really know much about some of the heroes of the faith. And they might have to learn some new names of some new heroes of the faith of people that, you know, valiantly serve God. But doesn't it seem like there's struggle and hard work, then there's stability and prosperity, but then eventually there's decadence and backsliding that leads to bondage and desperation. I mean, we, we, do, we as humans seem to repeat our mistakes over and over, don't we? We do. And when ease, uh, you've heard that phrase, ease in Zion, when mm-hmm. that occurs, sin creeps in greater and greater. And uh, in these societies, in Sodom and in the book of Judges there, you see sin becoming rampant and accepted and even, let me just say, legalized, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, that's where we Subsidized are. Subsidized by the state. Exactly. Very that's where we are. Ken, great observation. Let's go to Texas now. And when we go to Texas, we're going to talk to Abby. Abby, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, go ahead. Hey. So my question is, really, it's for my 15-year-old son, and he does not believe that it's a sin to be gay, and that everything in the Bible isn't 100% true. Okay. Uh, Abby, uh, 15 years old, this is what this generations are getting so much, and they're being bombarded by lies. Uh, the Bible is true. I, let me tell you this. Alex, I, I'm going to say this. I'll turn it over to you. And let's try to help Abby, uh, help her answer her 15-year-old son. At I would say at 17, 18, and 19 in my life, I wondered if the Bible could be true. Now, uh, I, I didn't doubt my salvation. I didn't doubt, but I wondered, could the Bible be true? And what un, what helped me as much as anything, I went to a Bible camp. And uh, for those folks down in northern Louisiana, real close to Ringgold, Louisiana, there's a camp there. And in that camp, there was a a teacher that said there's 360 uh, references in the Old Testament concerning the life, the, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he asked how many of these became true when many of them were written thousands of years before Christ would even be born. And when I heard the answer, and he went through and proved most of them, couldn't do all 360. Alex and Abby, that gave me 
spiritual iron in my soul that the Bible is the Word of God and you can depend on it. I don't know what your son needs, but he needs to understand that the Bible is a proven commodity. It is true. Alex, go ahead. Well, yes, and, and God bless you, and thank you for being a role model to your son. Thank you for modeling Christianity to your children. You know, a lot of young people don't trust the Bible as, as I wish they would. The Bible is a unique book, and among the things that the Bible contains, yes, is the prohibition against homosexuality. Let me just say this, that there are many cultures that don't have the Bible, and certainly many philosophers and thinkers that are not necessarily believers that are uh, condemning of homosexuality, too. Because, you know, when you think about it, um, homosexuality really doesn't produce anything. One of the things that philosophers look for is what's called the principle of teleology or design. Does this or that produce something positive? Now, the coupling of a man and woman produces children. Um, the coupling of two women or two men produces nothing except further, uh, really, emotional warping, which is one of the preconditions of homosexuality anyway. Homosexuality is always a means of dealing with pain and abuse. And so um, science has shown repeatedly when they've tried to find if people are born gay, always science shows that people uh, experience same-sex attraction because of abuse. So homosexuality is a response to pain and abuse. And actually, despite media presentations otherwise, um, there's a lot shortened lifespans, there's a lot of dysfunction and depression and substance abuse. Mark Regnery uh, in Austin, Texas has written about that. So let me say this, even the secular world, psychologists, sociologists have documented the negative effects of homosexuality. But the Word of God presents marriage as between a man and a woman. And remember, God is the one who made us. God is the creator. God is the designer. God is the author of history. And so it's his prerogative to lay down what the ground rules are. Now, why should we trust the Bible? The Bible, A, has the endorsement of Jesus, the only man that ever rose from the grave. John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. So either Jesus was right or the skeptics are right. And uh, I'm going to go with the only man that ever rose from the dead. But, Bert, even beyond that, the Bible has amazing unity, amazing indestructibility, amazing scientific accuracy, amazing prophetic accuracy, amazing historical accuracy, an amazing influence in world history, amazing power to change lives, amazing worldwide circulation more than any other book. And so this book, that has amazing influence and has never, ever, never been shown to be false. Plus, it has the endorsement of the only man that ever walked on water and rose from the dead. Within that book is the prohibition against homosexuality. I would beg people of all ages to trust God and the record of history and not a 30-year marketing campaign out of Hollywood. Believe what God says about morals. We're going to pray right now, Abby, for, for your son. Father, 
in the name of Jesus, I thank you for Abby calling. And I got a feeling she represents a lot of parents out there who are having to deal with teenagers and, and children who are involved in, in what is being pushed down our minds and our, our just to, to demonstrate untruth. I pray you'd help Abby. And I pray for her son that he would understand that the word of God is the word of God. And he may try to deny it. He might not want to believe it, but it is still the word of God. But I pray you would bring him into that consciousness and let him see the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Abby. Thank you for calling. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Ben. Ben, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, thank you guys for welcoming. Firstly, I want to thank you guys for the awesome job you guys do of unpacking the word for people like me. Hey, Ben, God bless listen, you. It's, bless you, friend. It is, it is great, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, my question is, um, as a believer, while you're transitioning from one church to another, what is your responsibility as far as tithing and offerings? Okay. And I'm going to hang up and let you guys answer. Thanks. Okay, Ben. Thank you. Alex, uh, I've heard that, and uh, uh, I've had that happen with me uh, in a few times, being since I'm not at a church pastoring full-time. And I've taken that opportunity to, to bless, I'll just be very, other ministries during that period mm -hmm. of time. And uh, I, I thank God for that. Ben, I think you could do that. Uh, I think storehouse tithing, uh, includes some great ministries other than just local church. Now, if you're involved in a local church, uh, we hear it all the time, support that local church, tithe. But during that transition period, I don't think you need to set it up and wait till you join that church, uh, maybe six months, or I think that money could go to use to ministries. Alex, what do you disagree with that? Or? Yeah, no, I, I'm the same way. I mean, generally, generally, I, I believe in what many call storehouse storehouse tithing that you give where you're being fed and you're part of a local church and you give there. Angie and I, you know, when we've moved, we were in Colorado and we came back east to look after parents. And so there was, you know, we were in church somewhere, but there was a couple of months where we hadn't settled in on a church home and we gave, um, you know, our tithe to different ministries. And we believe in tithes and offerings, you know, um, Sometimes you'll hear preachers say, you know, give God, you know, his tithe and your offerings. And uh, so one of the, we're not like legalistic on this. Uh, in a general sense, I believe we need to support our local church. But I also believe that God knows our heart and it's a fine thing to give to ministries and uh, missions work when you're transitioning. Or if you let's say you, you come into some money you didn't know was coming. I've had that happen. Sometimes you didn't even see it coming. I, I might get a check in the mail. Um, in fact, I just heard early today, we paid a bill twice that I didn't know we had paid, and I found that I've got a couple of hundred dollars coming I didn't even know about. Well, that's praise the Lord. That's an opportunity to give something to the Lord, isn't it? It is, and take that opportunity. Hey, Ben, great question. I appreciate your conscientiousness in, in doing ben, that. Yes, and being we hope, very conscientious. Yeah, we hope that helps. Uh, let's go to Missouri and talk to Janie. Janie, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call, and I do want to tell you what a blessing you are. I hear you most days. I'm retired, 
And uh, so I just really enjoy your program. Well, thank you, Janie. Yeah, thank you. I tell folks, you don't half enjoy it as much as Alex and I do doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we enjoy doing the program. You got a question for us today? Well, yes. Um, I was reading in Isaiah, the 66th chapter, last one. And starting in the last section of this chapter, now I am quoting from the book, okay? <clears throat> that The book translation. Um, as surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people, with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. All humanity will come to worship me from week to week and from month to month. And as they go out, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me. For the worms that devour them will never die, and the fire that burns them will never go out. All who pass by will view them with utter horror. Could you explain that, please? <laughs> okay. Alex, verse 22 says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, does yeah. that introduce that whole idea? Yeah, it, it, it does, which we read about at the end of the book of Revelation. It does. Sounds familiar a little bit, doesn't it? And, you know, where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched, which is also uh, quoted in the book of Revelation. Um, now, the question is, you know, will they see that forever? Do you know, you read over in Revelation 20 and 21 about the lake of fire and the dead, small and great, that are at the great white throne judgment. And, uh, you know, I, I think people will know. They may not know about it forever because there'll be no more tears, but the redeemed, they'll know how blessed they are to have been redeemed because for a moment at least they'll see those who were not. I think so. It reminds me of uh, Lazarus looking and the, and the man in hell, the rich man, looked in heaven and saw Lazarus, how good he had it. And mm -hmm. uh, I think the reverse, we'll see how good we have it in that day. Hey, yes. Janie, thank you for calling. Alex, uh, we'll proceed tomorrow. We're going to go on into the rest of Chapter 1 of the Book of Acts. I look forward to the whole book. How about you? Absolutely, and I hope everybody will join us tomorrow when we continue in Acts. Hey, folks, pray for the ministries of the American Family Radio Network. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. <music>